Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Eelman, and today we are going to talk about media corruption and combating lies in culture. Many have accused the media of spin, lies, and controlling the narrative. And Aaron, I'd love for you to answer, is that true? And do you have evidence of this? Yes and yes is the short (laughs) answer. (laughs) Uh, But first of all, it is September the 16th, and my lovely wife Susie usually listens to my podcasts. So I just want to let her know I love her, and it's her birthday today. So happy birthday, Susie. Hopefully you'll have the opportunity to listen to this and uh, feel blessed by the life that the Lord has given you. You're a wonderful woman. So in answer to your question, one of our concerns as Christians is information. That information, we, we call it truth, is being properly disseminated. And one of the main tools that we have at our disposal as a culture to get information out to people, to shape culture, to shape people's mindset, is the media, especially what we call the mainstream media, the big media companies who primarily use the internet, television, and radio to disseminate information. Now, in my way of thinking, a media should be responsible to report on the facts, to report on events to report on the issues of the day. And this is why historically we've all been very interested in preserving freedom of the press, for example, because we want the media to be able to provide information, to be able to provide truth, facts to the world. So they should report good news. They should report bad news. All news, all events should be open to being shared with the public. But what we have seen in the last several years is corruption in the media. The media has become statist, meaning that they primarily, they seem to see themselves as spokesmen, spokeswomen for the political establishment, for special interest groups, and almost, um, well, not almost, but really they specialize in propaganda. So I, 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 I do believe this is true. And rather than just throwing out accusations without Uh, observations. I want to provide some observations to my listeners. So I want to begin. I brought along an article that uh, was just put out this morning. It's It's a column piece in the London Free Press in London, Ontario. Yesterday, many people will know that um, the Elmer Church of God finally regained access to their building. Now, technically, they're not gaining access until this afternoon because they didn't get around to getting them, giving them the keys. They had to pay something like $274,000 in fines in order to have their building reopen. So this is being reported on in the London Free Press. And I brought the article along. Let me just read to you a few excerpts. The writer is Jane Sims. And tell me whether this sounds like reporting or whether this sounds like judgment and propaganda. So I'll just read a few excerpts out of this. So for example, the writer, this is how she describes this group. She says, for four months, the pastor and his ultra-conservative flock, plus his ragtag group of anti-restriction disciples. That's her exact language. Mm -hmm. 
this is judgmental language. This is not this is not objective language. Like she could have written for four months, the pastor and his congregation have been holding services, mm -hmm. period. But no, she's got to call them ultra conservative, which in the minds of most people would sound pretty negative. Ragtag. I mean, you sound like a bunch of clowns and fools out there. Uh, later in the article, I'm just going to read some more excerpts from it. She... Uh, she says um, the parties. She she mentions the party's former riding associate uh, um, association president was criminally charged in connection with throwing gravel at liberal leader Justin Trudeau. Well, admittedly, it was a stupid thing to do, and there should be some consequences to that kind of dumb behavior. But but other candidates have been exposed uh, to this kind of behavior as well. So Bernier was egged. Uh, not only that, but uh, an outspoken pastor down a well and had someone take the bolts off of his uh, boat trailer. Uh, three of the four lug nuts were removed. Um, so for, because he had anti-lockdown signs in his lawn and PPC signs. Well, the mainstream media doesn't jump on that. Last year when we had nails thrown in our parking lot, it's like, well, purportedly, they purportedly had nails thrown in their parking lot. Mm -hmm. Um, she also refers to Randy Hillier and Derek Sloan in this article. Uh, she says, it welcomed renegade right-wing politicians. MPP Randy Hillier and MP Derek Sloan and launched a constitutional challenge. So the, the language here is um, inflammatory. It's clearly written from a, a leftist perspective. And then when she's sort of addressing the question of, well, is the church going to violate the rules again? She says, call me crazy, but I'm a little skeptical. Like, how about, how about you shut your mouth? We don't need to hear what you think. Why don't you just report the facts? The church is going to get the keys back to its building. The court order to have the church closed has been removed. This person showed up. That person showed up. That's all we need to know. We can draw our own conclusions. Mm -hmm. But what the media does is they they try to shape people that are not, in their mind, part of the mainstream narrative in a very negative light. And then at the end, she says, the doors should be open on Sunday. We'll see which promises he'll keep. You know, do you see sort of the the sarcasm there, the 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 quasi morality it's like she's the she's the taking the the moral high road we'll we'll see if this pastor uh you know acts morally ha 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 you know we'll see mm -hmm. how that goes that's one point that's one example on september the 9th i'll give you another one the national post and the toronto star which previously involved themselves in what i would call a smear campaign against dr matthew strauss who's the new acting medical director for the uh, Haldeman Norfolk region of our province. Oh, well, finally, they issued a, uh, a correction. They'd, they'd reported um, some, on some things he purportedly had said on uh, on Twitter, and then they, they got it wrong. So they, they had to issue a, a correction, but the damage is done. Yesterday, I was down in the Elmer area, and when I was driving home early this morning, I was listening to the, the London news BX93 and they were um, airing uh, 
portions out of a candidate's debate, an all-candidates debate in, in London North. And uh, one of the questions was, what do you think about the, the new Via Rail that they want to build between um, – or the Via Rail option – or sorry, the speed train option between London and Toronto. So one candidate goes on and shares their opinion and another candidate. And then the, uh, the other candidate, PPC um, candidate, he basically says, this is ridiculous. Why are we even talking about this? It's not relevant. It's not what people care about. Um, let's open up to private enterprise, kind of the world's in a mess. You know, he kind of says his piece. And the, the interviewer, the media person says, well, I appreciate that. And then she makes a little corrective. Well, no, this is what people care about. See, so right there, a wise reporter or interviewer would say, okay, thank you. Next question. Not, I'm going to offer a little correction to you. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that has become normalized in the media where they're kind of shaping the narrative. So we even saw this in the national leaders debate for those running for prime minister in our country. It's not just straight up, hey, tell me what your platform is on, on fiscal issues. No, it's it's like a loaded question or it's a leading question that is clearly coming from a very left-wing perspective. Um, the Toronto Sun, a couple days ago on September 14th, published an article about Dr. Carolyn Turek. By doctor, I mean physician Dr. Carolyn Turek, who's spoken out against forced vaccinations and works at a medical center sort of in central Ontario. And it was basically saying that she's been released and it mentioned an organization that I've been part of founding, which is the Liberty Coalition Canada. And it labeled it far right in the article. It's far right. Um, folks, we're standing up for liberty and freedom like all the soldiers of our country died for, like our constitution requires. But it's not popular right now. Statism, totalitarianism is popular. So you, you see what's going on here? Like these are, these are people, two physicians – a pastor, uh, an advocacy coalition. And when any of these groups speak out for freedom, for liberty, for accountable government, you're far right. You're probably going to break your promises. Um, you know, they, they, they lie and engage in smear campaigns. And then these same people expect us to trust them when they report the news. So there, there's no question that the media is guilty of spin, lies, and control. And what wise listeners and readers need to do is to spot the lies and call them out on it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, uh, if they're thoughtful and realize they've recognized there's a place in the media for opinion editorials, uh, clearly labeled opinion and not presented as fact. Uh, but unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be, it's almost like the opinion editorial has made its way into the main editorial of the reporting of facts. Is that well, correct? When I, when I called out an opinion column in the Kitchener record there some time ago that was basically trashing Trinity Bible Chapel, so one of the responders sort of issued this correction, but it's an opinion column. Well, actually, we got to a point where I don't care about people's opinion in the media anymore because all of it reads like an opinion column and it's not balanced. It's mm -hmm. always bent or almost always bent in a very leftist, cultural Marxist kinds of perspective. And in the opinion column, when you are an influencer and a leader and you are using inflammatory or derogatory language deliberately intended to shape 
the community's perspective of a, of a pastor or a medical doctor. So they look at them negative negatively. No, I don't think there's any room for that in the mainstream media. It's actually immoral. Mm-hmm. It's a combination of slander. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, one could argue an expression of hatred and, you know, it's derogatory and it, and it, it's, it's essentially attack on people's character. So if someone wants to offer an opinion on something, fine. But as soon as you personalize it or slap labels on it that are, that make people bristle or make people angry, it's not, it's not responsible reporting. So I have a disdain actually for columnists columnists and uh, uh, media personalities that always peddle the same thing. One of the worst offenders here in Windsor is Ann Jarvis with the Windsor Star. She clearly is pro-lockdown to a fault, pro-vaccines, pro-vaccine passport, anti-church, and it's just written all over her stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when she called me for an interview, I just kind of blew her off because I I know what she's going to do. She's just going to take my words, and she already has the narrative written in her head, the article written in her head, and she's just going to insert my actions or my comments to suit her purposes. So, um, you know, in the old old days, if someone just wrote a, you know, kind of a lighthearted opinion column on something, fine, but this is very destructive, mm-hmm. and it demonstrates an ideology that's contrary to the values that we adhere have historically adhered to as a nation. Mm-hmm. Now, do you believe the government is involved using the media to coerce people? Well, we do have a problem in our country, and that is we have the CBC, which is a state-run, state-funded, mainstream media company. And they receive, unlike some other media companies, funding from the state. Well, people are people. You're working for the uh, CBC. You know you know where your paycheck's coming from. Of course, it's going to, at least on a subliminal level, affect how people report. Um, I don't know what the relationship is like behind closed doors between media personalities in the state. But I, I look at, for example, if you watch The National, it's the same recycled three or four people that they always bring on to form a panel. Mm-hmm. Andrew Coyne is typically on there and he's blabbing away from his his perspective. And then, you know, you have Chantel Hebert and she's doing her thing. And with few exceptions, their um, hosts have a bent to the left and that affects the questions they, they ask and answer and how they, how they conduct things. So they're certainly not broadly representative of Canadians' perspectives on political matters. But um, let me just give some examples of where I think the government is manipulative and where the media participates in that manipulation. So, for example, one of the things we've seen in our own province is the use of flattery for our premier to get what he wants. So we have this whole campaign, which is rolled out uh, for the last year and a half where we're just constantly calling healthcare workers heroes. You're a hero. You're a hero. You're driving down county roads, city streets. A hero lives here. You know, you're driving on the road. Someone's got a bumper sticker. You know, my daughter or son or whatever is a here a healthcare hero, and they get the, you know the cape fluttering in the wind. 
I mean, you could be a hero and be a person that shows up to the hospital and never even see anybody that dies or with COVID-19, but you're still, you know, included in the hero class. So they, they pour on the compliments. They, uh, elevate you to the status of, of, of a superhero with a cape. And then if you don't take our vaccine, we're going to fire you. So you go from hero to zero. And this is called flattery. And the Bible has something, for instance, in the Proverbs, it speaks out against flattery. It's, it's, it's inappropriate. So we have to be careful of how the uh, um, you know, media uh, speaks of people. And when the media starts to call people essential, non-essential, um, heroes, whatever it might be, this is, this is language of manipulation. It's using flattery. Oh, I'm an essential worker. Wow, you're not essential. I'm essential. You know, It's divisive. This is the most divisive government mm-hmm. we've ever seen, and, and certainly in my lifetime, federally and provincially. It's pitting people against each other, and it's, it's created a culture where people are ratting others out. We have moral language being employed by the government, like, please do the right thing, right? Stay home, stay safe, do the right thing, get vac- vaccinated, whatever it might be. The state, if you think about this, this is moral language. This is the language of pastors and priests and bishops, historically. Mm-hmm. The government has donned the mantle of pastor, priest, bishop. They're the ones telling you what's morally right and morally wrong. But this is, this is really important, only as they understand it only as it suits their agenda. So when the true moral police officers of culture, pastors, priests, bishops, etc., speak out, we're silenced. When someone dissents, they're silenced. Even if you're if you're part of the medical establishment, we you have absolute authority over the population. But if you're equally educated as a physician, we have multiple examples of this now, including Dr. Matt Strauss and Dr. Carolyn Turek and others, same kind of medical degrees, same kind of training. Some of them have more more experience or more education than maybe your chief medical officer. They're threatened. They're released. They're fined. They're trashed in the media. They're smeared. They're not responsible. So a lot of manipulation in the media. Um, I mean, Dr. Matt Strauss, a younger physician, he's worked in ICUs with COVID patients. He's an internal medicine specialist, I think a critical care doctor. He was offered the acting role of chief medical officer for Haldeman Norfolk, and um, you know he he he's, he thinks lockdowns are immoral. He's he said it; they're unethical, and he he's not he's not an anti-vaxer. He's a pro-vaxer, but he's anti-lockdown. And um, you know he's tweeted things out like "live free or die." Well, people just freaked out. They're trying to call for his removal. Um, the chief medical officer of Ontario is basically threatening him, like, I'll, I'll remove you, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't toe the line. Why? What are you afraid of? You coward. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of a colleague challenging you or challenging the narrative? You've got thousands of people on your side. Every once in a while, some lone wolf pops his head up and says, ah, you know what? Maybe we should rethink this or disagree. Shoot him. Get the guns out. Take him out. Remove him from his position. Strip him of his medical license. Is this the kind of culture we want to live in? Even if the, the the public narrative is correct, the public narrative embarrasses itself and becomes untrustworthy to the average person when they see a lack of ability to receive dissent on disputable issues. 
See? Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll just list one more. The media is the one that primarily set, sets these, these debates up with politicians. We saw the exclusionary nature of the national leaders debate mm -hmm. the, in French and in English. And you have Maxime Bernier, who's polling higher than the Greens and in some jurisdictions higher than the Bloc, barred from the debate. The, the Green leaders up there, who crazily, I must say, came across as one of the more sophisticated, intelligent people on the platform, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't think I'd ever say. But uh, she doesn't even have a seat in parliament, but she's up there on the platform. Mm -hmm. Maxime Bernier is the most experienced of all the political leaders, if you look at his portfolio, but he's, he wasn't allowed to participate in the debate. And that's happening locally too, in Essex County. And we're not gonna invite mm -hmm. the PPC, you know. We're not gonna invite the Christian Heritage Party, no, no, no. We're not gonna invite some independent. We're just gonna keep getting on the same merry-go-round and going round and round and round and round. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll let you look at the greens and we'll look at you, look at some orange and then some red and then some blue and around and around and around we go. Someone sticks up their hand. Hey, can we look at some maroon or some purple? No, you're not invited to the debate. Well, this is not in the best interest of the people. And this doesn't exactly breed goodwill and trust from the citizenry who are wanting the media to be honest with them and present them with the facts so that they can make an intelligent decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, how is it possible that so many media personalities seem to act this way? It, it almost sounds a little bit like a conspiracy to say that they're all against truth. Right. Well, here's what we know. The standardization of education in our culture is a fact, and largely that's a result of accreditation, and there's some good reasons for that. I've studied at two Canadian universities, um, an American university and a couple seminaries, private college. And I know a lot of people that go to, you know, in our church to different universities. And what this is, this is a result of a deficient biblical world and life view. So all these folks that are going to earn their journalism degrees and their public communication degrees and their media degrees they go to the same kind of schools and they're put through the same kind of education. They're watching the same kind of television. They're watching the same kind of news that the average people are. And it shapes their worldview. So I actually believe that most of these people are genuine, genuinely wrong, but they're genuine. They actually believe this stuff. They actually have a bent. Uh, they, have, they, have, they have a bent in a certain direction. They just assume they have a, for example, they have a, a, a view of toleration that's very different than the historical view of toleration. They have a very different view of what it means to be liberal, what it means to be a libertarian, what it means to be a pastor, a, a church historian. They have, they have a different view of these things. So they have certain things are right in their mind mm -hmm. and certain things are wrong. And when someone doesn't live according to that narrative or speak according to that narrative, it just freaks them out. So these the the people that are uh, you know kind of heading up the media today are largely people born in in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and that that is that period of our history is very much uh, left leaning, influenced by cultural Marxism, the secular uh, revolution, uh, lack of church education, lack of understanding of history. In other words, to, 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 to just kind of make it, um, to simplify it, I've said this many times, we got here by lies, we get out by truth. Mm 
So lies, lies about where we came from. So mm-hmm. we talk about worldview, lies about where we came from, what makes us valuable, uh, why we're here, where we're going. All these questions, which we talk about in worldview, they have a very, very different view than historical Christian people or people that have historically been described as moral or righteous. So, for example, they believe, most of these folks believe we got here by chance, not by a direct uh, act of a creative God who created the world in six days and rested on the seventh and made us in the image and likeness of God. So if you, ha- if you have a Christian worldview that defines your humanity versus a Darwinian worldview, that will – see, truth affects actions, right? Truth affects emotions. Truth affects the way we speak and so forth. And if that's your worldview, then in within that worldview, you need to, for example, keep yourself alive at all costs, right? Survival of the fittest, which which is not the Christian worldview. We, we're comfortable with risk and reward. We know about resurrection, hope, et cetera. So that affects how people respond, for, for example, viral threats. Or if we say, hey, we have a we have a, a inspired Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. It's God's word. It's God's law. It defines who God is, what marriage is, what the family is, what the church is, what the state is, what the responsibilities that people in the state and society are. And we have that, and that then defines and shapes the way we live our lives. But they don't have that. You know, they're just the, the latest ideology. Whatever one's yelling the loudest is what shapes their viewpoint. So there's a lot of ideologies, especially since the 1960s, that have corrupted people's views of human sexuality mm-hmm. to the point that it's getting ridiculous. It's just getting absurd. Um, and now a lot of the views on gender are, are in conflict to science, which is the other god that the world worships. So we have the, the collision of the secular gods in, in, in the modern worldview. So all of these things affect the way people think, act, and feel. And we're seeing the manifestation of that in the way the media reports on or responds to events in our culture. Hmm. Now, I love that statement you made. We get here, we got here by lies and we get out by truth. So the question that naturally flows from that, I think for myself and for our listeners is, how do we position ourselves to speak truth into the lies to mm-hmm. actually do that, to get out by truth. Yeah. Well, we could do several podcasts on this, but I want to give some some advice to um, uh, to my listeners on how to speak truth into, into media and help to shape the cultural narrative, how to speak in the culture and how to handle the media. So when, we're, when we are um, – so, so the media views you as a customer. You need to understand that you're a customer – and they're providing you with a commodity, news. And you know they, they, they're funded by advertising dollars. So if they can generate a buzz, if they can generate some interest in their articles, then they're going to get advertising dollars. They're going to be able to pay their staff and expand their corporation. So one of the, one of the key things, we want to be shrewd as serpents, as Christians. Um, heap shame on the media when they tell lies. You know, heap shame on them. And there's many ways to do that. If you see an article that's clearly has spin in it or lies, you know, you screenshot it on your phone, you click markup, you circle the lies, 
you repost it your Facebook account or your Twitter and say, check out all the lies, everybody. Can you spot the lies here? Mm-hmm. And then tag them in it. Tag the Windsor Star. Tag the London Free Press. Tag the CBC in it. Generate uh, distrust. If they're gonna if they're gonna lie, then people need to know they're lying. So shame them. Mm-hmm. Uh, offer opposition in their comment section. So a lot of these articles, sometimes they shut them down. But you know, you get on there and you're like, <laughs> this is this is garbage. This is a lie. This isn't true. So you you clutter up their comment section mm-hmm. with with statements of truth, or if they write an article that is good, retweet it. You know, hey, this is great. Kudos to the CBC for telling the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So you positive affirmation. We also need to support alternative news sources. Now, we need to make sure they're not bent in a direction that tells lies because some of the the newer ones can be sloppy too. They can easily just put stuff out that's not well-researched. They haven't done good investigative mm-hmm. journalism. But if you can see, uh, if you know some... some uh, uh, news organizations that seem to tell the truth and point people there. Mm-hmm. Now, now, by the way, you can't, you'll never find one that's neutral. Okay, we need to understand this. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm I'm right wing. I don't like the left wing stuff, but I want to post right wing stuff either. Mm-hmm. Or I'm right wing, but you know, or whatever it might be. Um, every we need to understand this. Everybody processes life from a worldview. The world is not spiritually neutral. So every single writer reporter is going to in some way have what they write affected by their worldview. We see this as much as lawyers and judges try really hard when they're writing their reports to be as objective and as sort of dispassionate as possible. And some are better than others. It still leaks in there. It still comes through. Mm -hmm. So you'll never find absolute neutrality, but you can certainly support the ones that seem to push in that direction. Uh, if you're asked to do an interview by the mainstream media and they've been misbehaving, then deny it or say, send me an email. I'm going to respond in writing. And then if they get your written responses, they misquote them. Well, you, you can just publish the correction. Say, look, these people have been fools. They've misquoted me. Here's here's the email we sent or whatever. So be very, very careful not to be cornered by them, mm-hmm. right? Beware of whisper campaigns. This is really important, especially in elections. Whisper campaigns are where um, bad people plant liars in good organizations to try to create spin. So, uh, you know, you get a bunch of nurses touring the country, Kristen Nagel, people like that who are telling the truth, trying to call out some of the lies in the medical system. You know, they they go up to Toronto, they they're hosting a protest and and you get these these people that come in that I think are part of a whisper campaign. So you get some fake on Twitter. Oh, let's bring your guns, everybody. Let's shoot up the hospital. And 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 they present themselves as if they're part of the protest when mm-hmm. in all reality they're probably plants from people that are trying to make the protesters look like a bunch of nut jobs. This happens where people um, when I talk to people who have been heavily and deeply involved in, in politics, it almost seems shocking and, and mm-hmm. that someone would do this. But whisper campaigns, um, you know, one of the whisper campaigns right now with regard to liberty-minded provincial parties like the Christian Heritage Party or PPC is, you know, they're fringe. Let's just keep using that word fringe, 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 fringe. If we can use fringe enough, people will believe it. Mm-hmm. Or they're they're white supremacists. They're white supremacists. The whole place is full of white supremacists, right? Meanwhile, you're standing there right next to a black person, you know, at, at a protest or an Asian person at a protest. 
or, um, you know, they, they, um, we can give other examples, but the point is you can need to be aware of whisper campaigns where people try to, to, um, uh, poke holes in a movement and the, and the, the listener just, again, they just get the sound bites. They just get what the reporter says. Oh, it must be true. This mm-hmm. is what happened. So a lot of corruption. And then I would say vote for parties that will defund statist news agencies. And this has been brought up time and time again. This, this state, why, why would I, Chris, why would you want to take our tax dollars and fund CBC? For mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. There's, all kind, there's, there's all kinds of news agencies out there. How about we pay fairsy squaresy? Fund yourself. Like, why, why are we paying our tax dollars to get news from statist organizations that actually do damage to us? It's ridiculous. So I'm in favor of political parties that are like, defund the CBC, right? Let them do their own thing. Raise mm-hmm. their own money. If the reporters there are good reporters, they'll either get jobs elsewhere. Like, I don't have a responsibility to give a journalist a job. So that would be um, sort of a collection of ideas mm-hmm. as to how to respond to the media. Now, I also want to talk about how to respond to the culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. And um, this is really, really important. So what are some, um, when we talk about institutions and culture, what are some of the key institutions we often identify in culture that sort of have an influence over society. Like obviously the church, we talk about the church, so yeah. speak the truth in your church. Uh, we talk about the school, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about employment. Yeah. So those kind of things. there's all sorts of institutions, right? Which manifest themselves in culture. And some of these institutions are corrupt, but at the same time, there's open door opportunities for us to get involved. So let's take, for example, the Children's Aid Society. So the Children's Aid Society is a group that does a lot of good in the community, but every once in a while people get a little concerned. Like what if what if these vaccine passports become so mandatory that the CAS shows up to take my kids, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, the health unit, like we got a tyrant running our health unit and the people there won't respond to our requests for information and on and on and on. What do we do? Well, join their boards. You can go, citizens, I think it's like 50 bucks a year or something, can join their children's aid society boards and have an influence in those institutions. People can join hospital boards, which will have an influence on the health system. Uh, People can join school boards, not just be the parent writing letters against the principal because they're teaching some ridiculous system, but join the school mm-hmm. boards. Run for office. Run for municipal political office. So there's a lot of energy right now, a lot of liberty and freedom, you know, a movement and discussion in our federal election. Just just roll that energy right forward into the provincial election next June. Let's just roll that right forward into the municipal election next September. It's actually kind of a unique point in time because we're going to have three elections in about one year, in about 12 months. We're going to vote federal in September. The provincial election has to be held by the first week of June. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's next September. So that's the the municipal election. So in one year, we potentially could bring revolution to all three levels of government. 
people need to start preparing for that now. Mm-hmm. Get your Twitter feeds up and running, your Facebook pages up and running. Start to you know do your own campaigning behind the scenes. Get connected with parties you like, etc. So there's lots of opportunities to um, to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, supporting political candidates. Politics isn't the be all and end all. It doesn't fix everything, but supporting good political candidates. And then when you are in a situation where you're being manipulated at work and uh, lied to at work, you know, being forced to be vaccinated or whatever, educate yourself, Um, you know, act shrewdly, you know, write the letters and have the conversations, make sure it's all in writing. Um, If they're still threatening you, just, just keep going to work. Let make them fire you. Don't just bow and buckle and run off, make them fire you and then hire a lawyer and sue them. Start new institutions. These physicians and nurses that are being uh, fined and tossed out, start private healthcare institutions. Good people will come and avail themselves of your services. Start new educational institutions, parental schooling networks, Christian schools, classical Christian schools, Bible colleges, seminaries. Who cares if they're accredited? The goal is to train people. Mm -hmm. And... Make sure that you are increasingly familiarizing yourself with the law and use all legal means that you can to stand for truth and to defend yourself and your family against tyranny and injustice. So those are some things that, uh, you know, come to mind. You know, I think if if I'm, I'm not a representative sample, obviously, but I think growing up in the church and being familiar with uh, church culture quite a long time, I can say a lot of these things have never really crossed my mind or been promoted as good things to be involved in. I've never, I don't don't think I've ever heard, Hey, be involved in the hospital board in order to shift the direction of things. Uh, And so for some of our listeners, probably many of them, this is kind of new territory thinking I can actually have an influence in culture. I should have an influence in culture outside of just uh, my nine to five job that maybe they, maybe that's been the focus of things. So um, yeah, when Christians think about volunteering, it's like, well, where do we volunteer? I don't know, the soup kitchen? That's mm-hmm. all we can think of. Or I'm going to stand and hand out Goodfellows newspapers once a year, or stand on the side of the road with a case of water and hand it out to people. Very reductionistic. Those are good things, but re- very reductionistic. We need, to, we need to recapture culture for Christ. And we do that not because we, we expect to moralize the world in order to everyone just might be a really good person and that's just going to fix all the world's problems. Our, our fundamental motive is Christ is king of all and his mm-hmm. values and his virtues and his kingdom principles should be manifested in every institution within culture. That's why God actually defines for us what the nature of marriage is and the family is and the church and the state. We need to bring Christian values to bear on these institutions of culture and also be institution creators. Uh, We need more Christians to be entrepreneurs and to get involved in cultural institutions. By the way, a lot of these institutions, interestingly enough, were founded by people that hold our worldview, Mm -hmm. either Christians or people at least with a Christianized outlook on life that looked at the plight of children and said it's not not acceptable for children to be uh, to go unfed or unclothed or to be abused or whatever it might be. So you have these these aid societies that rose up in order to impact children's lives. But now, um, I mean, if you're you know a heterosexual couple 
that believes in biblical discipline and biblical morality, and you already have some of your own kids, it's it's almost impossible to become a foster parent. Mm-hmm. And instead, you have people that are confused about their own gender, creational gender, uh, people that hold to radical uh, views with regard to human sexuality, or are in you know deviant kinds of relationships that are warmly welcomed to foster children. So we need to move beyond just um, you know we need to fight the abortion debate, but there there are other th- there are other ways to stand for life and liberty and faith and freedom and goodness and righteousness and justice in culture. I don't want my people just coming to church all the time and serving in 50 different ministries. Some churches need to start closing some ministries down to give their people time to actually get out there and engage in other Mm -hmm. ministry endeavors. So we're not saying, you know, what what happens in a lot of churches is we have this uh, holy huddle mindset where if we're going to educate and disciple and equip our people, just get them to the church building as often as we possibly can. So we got kids ministry this on Monday and kids ministry that on Tuesday and kids ministry that on Thursday and, you know, on and on and on and on. Just keep people going to church, keep them going to church, get them in the building, get them in the building. This is going to protect them from the world. Well, we need to gather, we need to rally, we need to get together on a regular basis and worship, but we also need to go out and engage. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways people learn is by experience. You know, you get out there, you start sitting on a hospital board or a children's aid society board or whatever it might be, and you start to pay attention to what's being said and the tone in the room and you sort of weigh in on it. And then you start to take on responsibilities and tasks. And before you know it, you're the chairman of the board and there's other good people you've brought in and on and on and on. It's not, it's not about being deviant or anything like that. It's about mm-hmm. there's, these are opportunities in culture. Someone's got to fill them. And if good Christian people don't fill them, then not so good people are going to fill them. And then we're going to expect corruption on the level of policy and communication, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, it's helpful and a good challenge for our listeners. We want to shift gears slightly. I know many are asking, what can I do to protect my family and my income as we sink further into totalitarianism? Uh, and so what are some tangible steps that we can take not to become like an all out prepper, so to speak, <laughs> but to, to be wise? Yeah. Well, when Joseph was in Egypt and the Lord revealed to him, obviously through a dream, that there would be famine in the land, they decided to take several years to prepare for that famine. And many did, and they were fine, and some people just ignored it. And they were, you know, struggling. They went through famines, and then all of a sudden had to pay exorbitant prices for supplies. Now, when you're preparing for the future, Let's say you're saving money or you're saving commodities, or you're looking for alternative forms of education or um, employment, I should say, and your worst case scenario doesn't come to fruition. Oh, well, nothing's been lost. You, you have a little extra. But if you're not prepared, then you can find yourself behind an eight ball in dire straits. So as Christian people, we... We have a brain. We ultimately are trusting in the Lord to provide for us. We also have a brain. We know a little bit about history. We see the trends that are taking place in culture, and they're not good. Inflation is through the roof. People are losing their jobs. 
the coercion and totalitarianism and manipulation and culture is increasing. These are facts. These are not disputable. I mean, you got to be very naive to dispute any of that. These are facts. So we're hoping that through campaigns and protests and the next three elections, federally, provincially, municipally, that there might be some change. But we shouldn't assume that. Maybe we could say we should anticipate it, be hopeful, mm -hmm. but not expect it, not be presumptuous. So what, what a lot of us are, are encouraging people to do is um, think about alternative ways of supporting and protecting your family, your church, and your loved ones. So churches need to think about you know, alternative venues to meet in, alternative ways to minister to their people because they keep locking us down or reducing our numbers. And they won't listen. They won't even have a conversation about it. Food supplies. Well, look, look when, you, when you try to, so I had to order a door, just a plain old door for our house because we were putting an extra door in. Still isn't in. I think it's been about six, seven weeks. Normally, I just go to the store and buy the door. You got to wait for it. This is increasingly becoming the place, the, 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 a problem with tractor parts, with, with steel, with, mm -hmm. with lumber, uh, with chips for cars. So when you keep locking people down, duh, the supply chain is going to struggle. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a complex system. Mm -hmm. And when you shut it down over and over again, you're going to have problems. So don't assume that there's going to be a great food supply in the future. Maybe there will. But don't 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 assume it. It would be foolish to assume that. You can't just you can't make food on a 3D printer. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you know, having a couple months of extra food supply is always a good thing. Having an alternative power source in case there's, you know, problems in our our energy grid, a generator, these sorts of things. There's this is not crazy Y2K talk. It's just common sense. Um, some have suggested alternative communication systems. I don't know too much about that, but um, some suggest like ham radios or if you're really traditional, Chris. I know you're uh, pretty traditional. Pony guy. Express? Is that uh, kind I was thinking passenger pigeons. Passenger right? pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, 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 you just train them, right? Yep. And uh, put a little piece of paper on there. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> but, you know, having alternative ways of communicating, hard currency, um, paying off your debt, is uh, is important. You can do that by temporarily increasing your income or selling off um, some things that you don't need. Or um, I like you know, how easily you say that. Just temporarily increase your income. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there's ways. There's ways to make money. Or you and I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Or you, um, you know, you just cut cut things out of your budget. You really don't need to be spending money on. So the final one is alternative sources of income or employment. Mm -hmm. um, now, I tend to be an entrepreneurial-minded person. So under normal circumstances, if I wanted to make a lot of money, I wouldn't have, that wouldn't be a problem at all. Mm -hmm. I, I know how to make a lot of money. Now, I'm in ministry, so I have limited time. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a little glitch in my throat. But there's lots of work to be done. I mean, people will hire you to paint, build decks, build fences, cut their grass, walk their dog. There are There is so much work out there. There's niche businesses. There's a shortage of tradesmen. There's a shortage of auto mechanics. My son-in-law works for a framing company. There's the owner and him. And I think there's three or four other employers. He's the only guy that shows up to work every single day. Hmm. All the rest, they're drunks. 
they they just don't bother showing up, but he can't fire them because he has no one else to hire. Mm-hmm. So if you know how to swing a hammer, there's work to be had. There's no there's no excuse for someone that wants to work to be unemployed unless mm-hmm. they have a disability, mm-hmm. which is I'm in favor of supporting folks like that. But there may not be $200,000 jobs around every corner, but mm-hmm. people can make a uh, living wage. A living, yeah. Yep. Now, it used to be that government jobs were the most secure jobs. Now they're not. Because the government, under, in a status world, mm-hmm. are the first ones that are going to crack the whip. You will do what we tell you to do if you want to keep your job. So <clears throat> people need to become more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. Not everyone is an entrepreneur by personality or by skill set. Some people, are, I would say, are more like supervisors. They're not good at starting things, but they make really great supervisors. And the majority of people are workers. But those with entrepreneurial gifts, if they start companies, can employ good people in those other roles. Mm -hmm. And everybody wins. So I think we've sort of been caught with our pants down, so to speak, as um, Christian people. And too many people are relying upon godless people for their bread and butter. And it's high time Christian people stepped back a little bit and said, you know what? No, we're going to do a better job in taking care of our, ourselves, our families, and our people. Our people. <clears throat> we're going to start businesses. We're going to start consulting firms. We're going to establish the rules under which people are employed. And they're going to be godly and good and beneficial and liberty-minded and honor bodily autonomy, et cetera. And we're going to employ people. Mm-hmm. And be very careful when you're in businesses that require licensure or accreditation from secular godless people. Be very careful about that. So some occupations, <clears throat> you know, they're so heavily regulated that even if you're a good person to start your own business, you really don't have any control over your own business. Your Everything you do is sort of downloaded to you by someone else. Mm-hmm. All um, employers, gen- with the exception of the good Christian ones that understand this stuff, generally move in the direction of more and more control. So let's take the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you apply for insurance. Even as a church in the old days, you applied for insurance. Okay, how much is your building worth? What are the names of your directors? Here's your quote. Now it's, oh, well, what are your entry and exit policies? You know, How many fire extinguishers do you have? How are kids processed? Oh, could we have a copy of your budget to make sure your finances are solid? On and on and on. Why do you need to know all that? Well, someone at head office at some point said, hey, that would be a good piece of information to have because it just provides extra protection. So there might be a good reason behind it. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it leads into just an administrative nightmare. And you just have to keep, you put hours and hours. We've, we've been working through this in our own church, just looking for new insurance quotes. Hours and hours and hours and hours into correspondence and communication meetings just to get some insurance, right? Because it's such a heavily regulated industry, and it's going to get more and more like that. Mm-hmm. It even scares me when I hear people getting apps. So I'm going to download an app, and now the insurance company will have access to my driving habits. Well, mm-hmm. someone's like, well, that's a good idea because then, you know, if you're a bad driver, you get bad insurance. But there's, there's a reason behind it, but slowly, mm-hmm. slowly, all of these things start to control more and more and more of your life and the layers of bureaucracy. 
And the layers of enslavement and the layers of control build up, build up, build up, build up. And before long, you spend half your life running around renewing permits and uh, paying bills and signing documents and waiting in line, you know, and renewing your license and then your license plate and your license sticker. And then, you know, we had the e-tests here for years and years in Ontario. I was just like, oh, come on, I just want to drive. But all this bureaucracy, right? You're on the phone, you call... You know, you call your cell provider. Hey, just a real quick thing. Hey, can I just add a feature to my phone? Oh, and your next thing, you know, you're on the phone for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, getting asked 400 questions and this and that. You want that. Like bureaucracy in and of itself, people might say is neutral, but when you add it all up, so much of our lives are controlled and managed by people trying to protect their own butt or sell us stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some certain, um, there's some wisdom in, in being, um, you know, a bit more of a self-sustained person. We can never be totally, but being a little bit more self-sustained, you know, growing like historic people did. You don't have to be a flower power person with bell bell bottoms. Kind of growing some of our own food. You know, there's some people that don't grow any of their own food ever. They've never made their own bread. They don't know how to fry an egg. They probably don't know how to boil water, make their own coffee, right? Mm -hmm. They're just... Just all those skills have just been totally lost. The idea of not working for someone else, like how is it even possible? Some people just don't even think that way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taught that growing up. So these are all just wise, tangible steps that you can take. It's actually kind of fun too, to, but just to sort of push back a little bit against the totalitarian statist world that we live in and you know, protect and provide for you mm-hmm. and your family. You may not have... Uh, you know, the the union behind you anymore. You may not have quite as high of an income, but you probably get a more stability and a little more peace and maybe even some more enjoyment about your your employment, sort of the way that you live your life. So these are these are things for people to think about. Obviously, there's lots of online jobs, desk jobs that people have that don't require you to travel. You sort of have freedom to do what you want. But Christians need to start to think about this and look into them in order to protect themselves and their families. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great time for a book launch, Aaron. I think you should start a book about Aaron Rock's survival skills oh, yeah. for 2021 <laughs> yeah. with the internet, maybe not being a stable means of communication. <laughs> maybe you should just get a book out there yeah. and then put all this down. I know you have the about 101 million hobbies and have tried just about everything. Our well, listeners I haven't, I haven't I read know. Passenger Pigeons yet. I, I did no. read a couple pigeons once, but not Passenger Pigeons. Come I'm just recalling the, the honey, <laughs> the honey you've done, the sourdough bread. I mean, you're, you're totally ready. <laughs> so we, yeah. we definitely are grateful for that information. Um, you've been listening to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. We're really grateful for uh, the time you spent listening today. Just want to remind you that we are on the CJXC radio, Canada's constant Christian companion on at 11 a.m. Tuesdays and rebroadcast 11 p.m. Thursdays. As well, we are partners with friends over at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network and on their app, the Fight, Laugh, Feast app, which you can download from their website. Uh, it is lists the Leadership Now podcast alongside several other great Canadian podcasts as well as a host of American podcasts uh, for our friends down south. And so we're so grateful to be partnered with them and to be on that app. So make sure to download it. Make sure to subscribe and share. And uh, if you're really looking for that book, if you're looking for the survival tips of Aaron Rock, you just got to message Pastor Aaron and uh, eventually maybe it'll come out. So anyways, we'll hope you tune in next week for another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock.